Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Pastor Philip Nelms of Renaissance Christian Fellowship, and I want to personally welcome you to our podcast channel. We would be honored for you to like and share our podcast channel on your preferred podcast outlet and social media. Thanks for taking time to listen, and I pray you are blessed by today's message. Please stay tuned to the end of the podcast where you can find additional information about this ministry and our teaching resources. I hope you enjoy the message. If you would, turn with me tonight to Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm going to start in verse 25, and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, and this is King James Version. See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spoke on earth, how much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaks from heaven? If you looked at the verses above that, it is talking about when God came down on Mount Sinai and fire came and the mountain smoked and all of that. Comparing that, which was his, his giving of the old covenant and the law, with speaking today from Mount Zion, which is speaking to us from heaven. Verse 26 says, Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he's promised, saying, Yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Okay, I'm going to stay in this chapter a good bit tonight, but tonight I want to speak to you for a few minutes on this idea of shaking for an awakening. Shaking for an awakening. And I think that most people, both inside and outside the church, can see that our world has changed very rapidly uh, in recent times and not necessarily for the better. Things in the world have not been shifting towards freedom, but rather they've been shifting away from freedom. And if you look at any news at all, then you saw that like this week, you see news images coming in from our friends to the north in Canada, showing the government coming down with a very heavy hand against its own citizens. Um, these were citizens who were protesting heavy-handed government and, and government, uh, government actions that they believe are uh, against their freedom and they see as, as tyrannical. And uh, we'll just leave it there. Um, this is not actually going to be a political message tonight. But here in America, it, it hasn't been much different. So the coronavirus event that began in 2020 and then the resulting fallout drastically accelerated the power of government over the people, a government that's supposed to be about freedom, a government is supposed to be of the people, by the people, for the people. Well, heavy-handed government and tyranny 
is not God's plan. All right, in the Word of God, we're warned about these things coming upon the earth you know, towards the, the, the last days, uh, coming upon the earth like birth pangs. Okay, but just because it's coming and just because the Bible warns you about it doesn't mean that it's God's will or that God is behind it. And he's not telling you you're just supposed to roll over and, and, and take that. Okay, God has always been about freedom. The word says it was for freedom's sake that Christ made us free. He just wants us free, uh, free even to make wrong decisions. He wants you to do the right thing, but he wants you to have the freedom to be able to choose. It is Satan, it's your enemy, who is the one who has always been about heavy-handed government control, okay? But Jesus is about freedom, but with self-control. All right, when we have self-control, that's when we stay free. And those who lack self-control are the ones who are brought again into bondage, both in the spiritual and in the natural. Freedom has always been God's idea. I told you right after we finished our, our worship that I felt like the Lord just dropped another word in my heart as we were singing about the blessing. Freedom has always been God's idea. The blessing, which is all about freedom, was always God's idea. Okay, everything else outside of that, the bad things, that wasn't his idea. It's not his plan. That's not how he created it to be. So never did God desire for mankind to suffer under the oppressive hand of governments. The Antichrist spirit is all about control and oppression. Okay, so as we get closer to the end and you begin to see that manifest more and more, it always looks like control. It looks like tyranny. It looks like oppression. Uh, even in the formation of the nation of Israel back in the day, God didn't want them to have a king like other nations. God wanted to be their king. But the people who didn't know any better, they didn't want that. They didn't like that. And the people demanded a king. And God warned them. He said, you know, if they got a king, the king would rule over them. Uh, the king would tax them harshly. The king would show them great injustice. But the people demanded it anyway. And God said, okay. But that wasn't God's plan. Okay, not everything that's going on in the earth is the plan of God or the will of God. And we know from history that as time goes on in most nations and government, all societies tend to go through a cycle where it begins with freedom, but then slowly over time, incrementally, it begins to morph into heavy-handed oppression. And when the tyranny becomes too great for the people to bear, then that's when you see uprisings to throw off those, those chains of tyranny. That's, that's what happened in this country back in the Revolution. But then over time, people forget the high price of that freedom, or they don't know it because so much time has passed. And so incrementally, things begin moving once again towards tyranny. And this happens like clockwork. And it's really, it's this way in all types of governmental structures, okay? When I say governmental structures, I mean more than just the political realm. It includes the political realm. But it's in any area of society where there's a governing structure. 
it will tend to morph towards tyranny and away from freedom. And so that would include things like church structure, church leadership, education. It happens in private corporations. Anywhere there's a governing structure, it may be created and, and, and built. A lot of times those, those new entities are formed as a, as a I don't want to say rebellion, but as a repercussion of coming out of heavy-handed tyranny. So they will set them up and they will structure them. Even churches and, and corporations will structure their own bylaws based on as much freedom as, as, as they can imagine. But it, it hardly ever stays like that. Okay, So the trend is always from freedom, away from freedom, and towards tyranny. That's what happens in the earth. And the reason is, there's a couple of reasons, but one is that top-down, heavy-handed control always seems to be cleaner and easier and less messy to leaders than it is to allow people to have their freedom. Freedom can be messy. And so because of this, there's that trend that over time, it always goes back towards the control side. Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked have rule, the people mourn. Okay? Leaders who are pro-freedom and pro-liberty are, in God's eyes, those are righteous leaders. Leaders who are pro-oppression or tyranny, they are wicked leaders, according to God's word. And when you're under that, the people groan, the people mourn. They are oppressed. And so when wickedness becomes entrenched into the seats of authority, it always results in oppression. The enemy is the driving influence behind this slow and steady movement away from freedom and towards oppression. And the root of the Antichrist system is all about control. It's all about control. The enemy wants to control where you work. He wants to control where you live. He wants to control who you marry or how you marry. Uh, he wants to control how your kids are educated. And he especially wants to control how you get and use your money. Okay, especially your money. Okay, because the mammon system, again, it's all about control. And if you can control the wealth, you can control people. That's why the blessing system was set up differently than the mammon system. People who are in the kingdom of God are to get their resources through the blessing system. And the scripture says the blessing of the Lord, it will make rich and adds no sorrow to it. You could say it adds no tyranny and oppression to it. So he wants you to see and receive uh, your provision differently than the world sees how they get their provision. Because as time goes on, it's going to matter. Okay, the ones who get and are, are tied into the world's financial system, the mammon system, they're going to come under that tyranny and oppression. The ones who can receive by the blessing are going to be free of that. By the way, all right, we should resist governmental efforts to move completely away from cash because cash is a free exchange 
and the enemy, the, the, enemy the, the governments are trying their best to do away with it because they don't have as much control. It's all about control. And I know that electronic transactions are easier. That's how I use, that's how I do most of mine. But the trade-off there is freedom. I, I sell that, and I'm going to say again, this is not going to be a political message tonight. It's a Bible message. So that's all background to get us into the Word. All right, I'm going to read again back in Hebrews 12, 26, which is one of the scriptures we read at the beginning. I'm going to read it this time from the Passion Translation. All right, Hebrews 12, 26 says, The earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain, but now he has promised once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers in the heavenly realm. Now, that said it really well. There has always been a spiritual battle over the seats of authority going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. That's what happened there. There was a fight over the authority, the seat of authority that Adam and Eve held. All right, the temptation for Adam and Eve was all about getting them to turn over control of the earth. Okay, not Mars, not Venus, not Pluto. It's the earth. The battle is over the earth, which God had given Adam and Eve the dominion over. And, of course, we know they did turn that over. By and large, people end up getting the leaders and the leadership that they deserve. Okay, in our country, we are now split almost 50-50 in this nation and even in the church over some basic foundational areas that the Bible is not gray. It's, it's black and white about. Okay, so when your nation is divided over the simplest of issues, like the sanctity of life, okay? Well, what happens is if he can get, if he can get the house divided, that's how he can bring it down. So when you're split, you're not unified, he comes in and he exploits that division. So, for instance, when the voters are evenly split on, a, on, a, on an election, whether it be for um, whether it be for an elected official or, or for uh, putting something, uh, you know, some law or some change in the, the Constitution for your state. When the voters are evenly split, then it takes very little meddling to cause an election to swing. So the enemy loves to have it 50-50. Now, we should do, as good citizens of our nation, and this is not just America but all nations, we should do everything we can to ensure that elections are free of fraud. But the truth is that meddling is always going to be there. It's always been there. The problem isn't so much about the meddling as it is about the division within the nation. See, if the people were united and the vote comes down 90-10, well, it's really hard to meddle and, and overturn that. But when it's 50-50, it just takes a little bit to sway the way the enemy wants things to go. And, you know, because of that, because of where we are, politics, the political system, will not solve our problems. It won't solve our nation's problems. Now, as Christians, we should fight to elect godly leaders because of what Proverbs said. Okay, when the wicked rule, the people groan. Like, it makes it worse. When wicked rulers get in power, 
it accelerates the agenda of the Antichrist spirit. Okay? So we don't, we don't want wicked leaders, but politics alone will not save a nation. All right, what will save America and what will save the nations of the world is an awakening to God through Jesus Christ. There actually is no other answer. There has to be wholeness and spiritual integrity in the heart of the people of a nation. Okay, so it's at the grassroots level. Because when those masses turn to Christ and they serve Christ and they vote according to the word and, toward, and, and according to the kingdom of God, when they refuse to put up with institutional wickedness, then wicked leaders will never make it into the seats of authority. And righteous leaders will rise up and find their place. And when that happens, the blessing of the Lord comes on the nation. So this is more of a church issue than a political issue. All right, it's a heaven issue. It's a God issue. All right, the only way to save America is through another great awakening. In the Old Testament, you know, repeatedly, uh, Israel, many of the things that were recorded in the Old Testament about Israel, it says, were recorded uh, for our benefit, for our examples. Uh, there's, there's the ability to see what's happening in the spirit realm by watching what happened to natural Israel. And in the Old Testament, repeatedly, we saw that the people of Israel would turn away from God, the things he specifically said don't do, and they would turn to the worship of evil things and, and idols that God had sp specifically forbade. And when they did, then the nation would go into physical bondage. The nation would be overrun by you know, one of the surrounding nations and, and would take Israel captive. And then the people would come under that bondage, would begin to groan in prayer and, and repentance to God to come and save them. And then God would hear from heaven. He'd forgive their sins. And then he would heal their land by sending them deliverers. He would send them judges who would come in and judge the wickedness that was keeping them in bondage. Because that's tied to, was that Second Chronicles 7.14? I believe is, is the scripture that says, If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. Right, so that is a key for awakening. That is a key for deliverance out of tyranny, oppression, and bondage. It's the same today for our modern nations. Nothing has changed. When oppressive governmental structures begin to form and bring the people into tyranny, what happens is the people, the, you know, the people begin to hurt, they begin to feel it, and the tendency is to begin to cry out to God to deliver from the oppression. And in his mercy, God hears those cries just like he did for Israel. And it wasn't, oh, you did it twice, I'm not going to give you mercy again. It was over. Every time they would repent, over and over and over, he would come and he would deliver them out of their bondage. And so from those prayers for mercy and repentance, God, be, God would begin to bring about shakings in the nation of Israel. Okay, And the shakings of God that we see in the Word were always targeted at evil or wicked governmental structures. 
It was about wickedness in the seats of authority, both in heaven and in earth. Let's read again Hebrews 12, 26 and 27. It said, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, the word yet once more, remains or signifies the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Shakings and spiritual awakenings go together. All right, it's never God's will for people to go into bondage. But the scripture says that sin brings about bondage both in the spirit realm and in the natural realm. Okay, But once people repent or they begin to repent and they begin to cry out to God, God can now come in and he can begin to shake the powers. God shakes the powers. Okay, Hebrews 12, 26 says he will shake both the powers on earth and the powers in heaven. Now, this is good news. This, this is how you get free. This is how a nation is saved. Our evil ruling powers on the earth are manifestations of evil ruling powers in the heavens. If the powers in heaven weren't ruling you would not see the evil ruling power in the earth. They're tied together. If there's an evil ruling power in the earth, you can be assured there is in the invisible realm, in the heavens, there is a ruling principality that is controlling that government and that region. Gross sin on the earth gives a heavenly governmental seat to ruling wicked spirits in the heavens. So how do you prove that? Well, Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places or in the heavenlies. All right, so we think our fight is in politics, and it's not. Your fight is in the heavenlies, and we get our eyes on the wrong fight. That's what the enemy wants. But when prayers of repentance go up, and I mean not just prayers, but actual fruit of repentance. Okay, the scripture says, you'll seek my face and turn from your wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive your sin and heal your land. Then it gives Jesus legal permission to come into our circumstances, even into our nation, and begin to shake things up. The shakings are for the deliverance of the righteous. All right, so as long as we choose to stay on the side of righteousness, then God, when he comes and when shakings come, he will protect his people even in the middle of shakings in the earth. All right, so, so some people believe that God is responsible for everything that happens on the earth. But the earth was given to the children of men by God. So the evil that goes on here is not his fault. It's, it's ours. So God is never the problem, and he's never the source nor the cause of evil, but he is the solution. Romans 12, 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you are conformed to the world's ways and the world's evil, you cannot, you will not know and experience or operate in God's perfect will. But to see his perfect will in your life, in our lives, we have to allow the word to begin to transform our minds because transformed actions only come from transformed minds. What we're looking for is fruits of repentance. That means actions have to change, not just, please forgive me, I'm sorry. So to get transformed actions, it starts with a transformed mind. Transformed mind comes from the renewing of the mind in the Word of God. And when you do that, you will know the perfect will of God. To know the perfect will of God by doing that means there must be people who are not doing that who are not in the will of God. So that, that right there should prove and should settle this thing of is everything God's will? Is God doing everything? Obviously, He is not doing everything. And I know I'm preaching to the choir with that, but there are people who will listen on this recording who still struggle with this. They've had bad theology. Well, that's unbiblical. So we've got to, that's one of those transforming things that we have to get in our minds by renewing it with the Word. In the natural things, even when the enemy has set himself up within a ruling governmental structure, okay, when he's won a battle, God still has the ability to bring an ultimate victory to his people when we choose to repent and to yield to his way of doing things. Wicked rulers are never God's plan. I just can't say that enough. And so when we find ourselves in bondage to wicked rulers, there is still mercy available to us if we'll cry out to him with true repentance. Not just feel bad for our sin and ask forgiveness for repentance, but actually turn from our wicked ways. This is why the only way America will be saved is by a great awakening. We are, to an extent, getting the leadership that we deserve. We opened the door for the leaders that we have now. When God sent Moses to Pharaoh to demand you know, Pharaoh, hey, release my people from bondage. The, the, the Israelites were in Egypt in bondage. And so God said, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. All right, the first response from Pharaoh was not one of repentance. The evil leader's heart was hardened. And so when he was told the truth and given the, the command from God, his initial response was to make things worse, Okay the people of Israel came under more oppression. He, he lashed out at them. But then God responded with bringing shakings into the land of Egypt. And those shakings got harsher and harsher against Pharaoh. And the more his heart was hardened, the worse that it got. Okay, and so during those, that season and when those plagues were released on Egypt... You have to remember the children of Israel were dwelling safely in the land of Goshen. Okay, they were not affected by the plagues of Egypt. The plagues weren't there because of Israel's wickedness. The plagues came because of the oppressive government 
against God's people. So when the shakings of God came, God made a difference between the children of Israel and the rest of the inhabitants of Egypt. So this is important. If Egypt is inside of you, then when shakings come, the shakings will affect you too. But you can be in the world and not be of the world. Okay, just because the world gets rocked by plagues doesn't mean that you have to get rocked. Okay, we are supposed to be like Israel. We're supposed to live in the protected place, what he called the land of Goshen. And Hebrews 12 tells us that shakings of God will come to the world when darkness reigns. But it's the darkness and in the time of the shakings where God's sons and daughters are called to shine the brightest. Well, that starts by simply God makes a difference between his people and the world. Without you doing anything, if you'll just stay in righteousness. Um, Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon you, and his glory shall be seen upon you, and the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Okay, the reason that kings will come to you for answers is because you will not be suffering the things that they're suffering because the glory of God is upon you. They will see the light of the glory of God upon you and they will come to you. When shakings come to the earth, we, the church, are supposed to be their answer. Okay, we have a hope. They, they have no hope. Their hope was in their structures, and their structures are failing. But we didn't put our hope in earthly structures, and so we aren't suffering the failures that they are. So when they come and look, where are they going to come look? You're the only person that's, that's not suffering from the plague or whatever it is, the shaking, they're going to come to you. We are to shine brightly even while the world is groaning. Okay, and I do believe that we're entering into the years, the years, I'm not putting a time limit on this, but we're in that season where God wants to put his glory on display in the earth through his people. And it's because it's gotten so dark out there, it's going to be really easy to see the light that's on you. When the dividing line between light and darkness is at its greatest, that's when his light can be seen the brightest. So I recently taught a message here about um, the connection between holiness, uh, walking the holiness, and walking in the glory. And that's, we are talking about that tonight. And what we said is that holiness in the inward man looks like obedience on the outside. So if you're disobedient, if you're not obeying the will of God, if you're not in the word and doing what it says and you're walking in disobedience, okay, that's not holiness. Holiness means obedience. So our obedience is to do whatever the word says, okay, and whatever it provides for us will look like protection in the time of trouble, okay? The willing and obedient will eat the good of the land, but if you... If you refuse 
and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the word has spoken it. That's the whole passage. People often often quote the first half of that, right? If you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. Well, there's a second part that's just as true. If you're in rebellion and disobedience, then you will suffer the same things that are going on in the rest of the earth. So holiness is a key to walking in God's glory and his protection. Okay, so we walk in holiness. We walk in the glory by faith. We walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Scripture says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So we're going to walk in in such a way that he is pleased with our walk. And the glory is going to be seen upon us out of his pleasure. Well, you can't do that if you're not walking in faith. Well, what does faith look like in the time of trouble? Faith looks like it doesn't matter what's going on out there. A thousand might fall by my side and 10,000 by my right hand, but it shall not come near me. It's not going to come near my house. Only with my eyes will I see the reward of the wicked. That's from Psalm 91. When we choose to walk in obedience to the word of God and we avoid temptation, it boosts our faith. It increases our faith. When you, when you yield to sin and temptation, it hurts your faith because your conscience convicts you. Okay, and the conscience is the issue. So, well, can I get forgiven for that? Sure you can. But you've wounded your conscience and you've hurt your faith. All right, so in, in, in these times, you don't want to be doing that. Like, you, you need to make a choice. You need to make a quality decision. And I'm going to resist these temptations and these things that the, that the world is doing. I'm going to look different. I'm going to walk different than them. Because you want to keep a clean conscience. Because one of the rewards of a clean conscience is walking in faith, walking in the holiness, which means walking in the glory. And those who will walk in faith and walk in holiness will see the glory of God manifest in their lives. Okay, so this coming season is not a season where you want to live in the compromise of sin. If you have areas of sin or disobedience in your heart, you need to do what it says in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. All right, you need to confess those things, repent. You need to let Jesus heal you and deliver you. God's shakings that come, I said God's shakings. God's shakings in the earth are for the purpose of sifting good and evil, sifting it. Okay, and in the word, when we see in the word, when it talks about sifting, um, specifically that was a process where the chaff would get separated from the wheat after it had been harvested. So the chaff is the, the outer layer around the seed. It's the stuff you don't want to eat. Okay, that has to be removed. And if you don't, it'll contaminate the wheat, and the food that you prepare from that wheat is no good. All right, so that sifting process is compared to us getting the sin out of our lives. So that when outward shakings, shakings happen in the earth, we won't be shaken along with the world. Okay, so the shaking that we go through is allowing God to sift us on the inside to get rid of those things so that we don't become subject to the shakings with the world. All right, when shakings are going on in the world, it becomes an opportunity for spiritual awakening. Okay, the roots of spiritual awakening is always about repentance. 
So shakings, first of all, shakings will expose any wicked areas that's within us. What happens is we see what's on the inside when things aren't going well. Okay, so those things will bubble up. Now when we see them, we have the opportunity to judge ourselves, and we ask Jesus to cleanse us from the inside out. So shakings can reveal areas of our own hearts where we need more work. Right? It exposes where we have built on something that could be shaken. So it shows where we put our reliance and our trust in anything other than the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. So when shaking, shakings happen in the earth, it is for the purpose of purifying. Okay, and natural shakings tend to purify governmental structures. When the shakings of God comes, wicked people, wicked rulers tend to get removed out of seats of power. All right, shakings in the earth on the macro scale can be God's response to his people's cries for mercy and repentance. And so the results of the shakings are often the removal of ungodly structures and ungodly rulers. Remember Israel? Okay, the, the end of that story was Pharaoh and all of his troops were drowned in the sea and they were no more. So shakings will remove the ungodly from seats of power. But it's not just in the political realm. All right, shakings can show up in, cor in the corporate world. Uh, shakings can show up in churches. Shakings can show up in homes. But the shakings of God are for the purpose of purification and ultimately for the purpose of restoring freedom. To restore your freedom because you've come under oppression. Okay, we were told in the book, in the book of Galatians that we are to stand fast in the liberty, stand fast in the freedom wherein Christ has made us free and to be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Okay, that's, that's spiritual. That's demonic yokes that come through sin. Okay, but if we choose to walk in yokes of personal bondage, and when a nation does it, it shows up in the governmental structures. All right, so it should come as no surprise to us when natural governments are the ones that rise up against liberty and freedom. Because it's just a manifestation of yokes of bondage that we're already under. When we get under spiritual yokes of bondage, the natural manifestation is that government and governmental structures will rise up in the natural and enforce a natural yoke of bondage on you as well. Many people who are in prison are in prison because they're in, in prison inside first. And when they get free from the inside, they'll actually be free from prison. Tyranny in governmental structures are this outward manifestation of what happens in the heart of people and the heart of a nation. But the good news is, the scripture says, that wicked and ungodly rulers will only stand for a short season. All right, And the spiritual awakening of people brings godly shakings against ungodly governmental structures. And those shakings are an opportunity to repent and to be awakened again unto God through Jesus Christ, 
who is the Lord of all. Back in Hebrews 12, verse 28, says, Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. In other words, it can't be shaken. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and godly fear. So this is holiness. Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Okay, serving God with reverence and godly fear is the key to freedom. All right, it's the key to standing strong even in the face of natural shakings. All right, because after the shakings, the only things that are left are the things that could not be moved. Those are the things which are still standing. And when we build on those things, those eternal things, the unshakable things, in other words, when we build on the kingdom, then those areas of our life will be immune from failure. God is a consuming fire. But the only things that get consumed are the things that are not of his kingdom. Okay, so the things that remain after the shaking are the things that were eternal and things that get purified from his fire. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting with verse 11. It says, For no other foundation can man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds upon this foundation gold, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work will be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. Whose fire is that? That's, that's God's consuming fire, right? And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide, in other words, if it remains after the fire, which he's built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. All right, the fire of God always purifies. So false things will fall and will burn up in the trial. But gold and silver and precious stones, which imply the things that were eternal, the things that were of the kingdom of God, they simply become pure, more pure in the fire. And so because of this, because the fire does two things, it burns up the wicked stuff, the stuff that won't remain. It purifies the things that, were, that will remain. There's mercy. God does that not out of anger. He's doing that out of mercy. There are mercy found in the judgments and in the shakings of God. Okay, in the Scripture, mercy and judgment go together. It's in God's mercy that shakings will come to earthly and heavenly structures that are not of Him. Now, let me read you just a few, a few scriptures that speak of this thing of God's mercy and His judgment in the same breath. Okay, Isaiah 30 verse 18 says, And therefore will the Lord wait that He may be gracious unto you, and therefore will He be exalted that He may have mercy Upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. Mercy, 
judgment. Zechariah 7, 9 says, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Okay, judgments are supposed to be God's mercy. Hosea 6, verse 5 and 6 says, Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. I've slain them by the words of my mouth, and your judgments are as the light that goes forth. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Okay? Quickly, in the New Testament, James 2, 3 says, For he shall have judgment without mercy that showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. All right, one more. Matthew 23, 23 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you have done and not to have left the other undone. In God's kingdom, his mercy and his judgments are intertwined. They come in the same bag. God says, I desire mercy. That's, that's what he wants. He wants mercy. He doesn't want judgments, but when judgments come, it comes because of mercy. Not necessarily mercy to the evildoer, but mercy to his people who have come under the oppression of governmental structures. When we show mercy to others, we are sowing mercy and we're laying up mercy for ourselves in the day of judgment. This is why we have to be merciful. God desires mercy over judgment. And if everyone would repent, then judgments can be avoided for everyone. But we just simply know that's just not how it works. All right, remember what happened with Nineveh when God sent Jonah the prophet to call them to repentance. Okay, Jonah knew about the mercy of God. And Jonah knew that if he warned the people, they would repent. And that God's mercy would be shown rather than his judgment. And that is exactly what happened. But Jonah wanted judgment instead of mercy. He was upset about it. All right, so don't be like Jonah. Always desire mercy for others, even when you see judgment operating in their lives. All right, so when shakings of God come, it is ultimately about mercy. Because God's correction brings cleansing and purifying, both inwardly and outwardly. And when we keep our inner man clean by the blood of Jesus, and we live a life submitted unto God's will, we are building a fortress around our lives against the day of shakings in the earth. Second Peter chapter 2. Let me read you verses 4 through 9. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but he cast them down to hell, and he delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. And he spared not the old world, but he saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. He condemned, condemned them with an overthrow, making an example unto those that afterwards should live ungodly. And he delivered just a righteous lot, 
who was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelled among them, and in seeing and hearing, he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Verse 9, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Right? That's, our, that's our verse. Right? God knows how to protect his children even when shakings are going on in the earth. Okay, 1 Peter 4, 14. If you be reproached by the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God be? And if the righteous are scarcely saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him with well-doing as unto a faithful creator. All right. There will be sufferings enough for those who choose to walk and follow Jesus. All right. If you don't like the rest of the world, if you don't live like the rest of the world, you can expect persecution. All right. Jesus said, they hated me and they're going to hate you. But God is just and he sees all. So you would rather suffer that mild persecution by unbelievers than to end up being judged with the world. If you walk with evildoers, you will be judged with evildoers, even if you know Jesus, because obedience matters. All right, God knows how to deliver the just, that's us, out of the scripture says temptations and that word uh in the king james it can also be translated as trials and testing all right so we can say god knows how to deliver the righteous out of the shakings all right the shakings are what's meant to test and try the things that are not of god so that they can be removed and then what remains will be unshakable because it is built on the Word of God, and it is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. All right, so we're not to fear if shakings come on the earth, and they will, because that's when the glory is going to be seen the most brightly on His people, on you. Shakings will purify, but they will produce spiritual awakenings. All right, shakings, like sifting the chaff from the wheat, that happens at harvest time. You don't take the chaff off when it's still out in the field. You, you bring the harvest in, and that's when the sifting happens. Okay. Now, God's shakings in the earth are designed to purify and to bring forth a great awakening. He's after the harvest. All right, so when times of trouble come on the earth, you are not supposed to fear. As a matter of fact, that's the time that we are to shine with his glory. We are the answer to the world 
And we are supposed to draw them to Jesus by the light of his glory on us. And I'll finish with this one scripture. Luke 21, 28 says, Jesus said, when all these things begin to come to pass, he's talking about shakings, then look up and lift your heads for your redemption, your deliverance draws near. Amen. Friend, if you've never made Jesus your Savior and Lord, would you please do it today? You can't afford to put it off one more minute. Your eternal destiny depends on knowing Jesus. Whatever situation you may be in, Jesus can take your life and make something beautiful of it. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except that he comes through me. And Romans 10.9 tells us, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved. So if you would like to know him, repeat this prayer with me today and really mean it from your heart. Say after me, Jesus, I choose this day to make you Lord of my life. I believe that you are the Son of God sent to the earth to pay the price for my sin by your death. I believe that you were raised from the dead and that you are alive today in heaven. Please take my life and do something great with it. Friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today and you meant it, then today is your birthday. Today is the day that you were born again into eternal life. We suggest that you find a good Bible-believing local church where you can connect with other Christian believers and grow in the Lord. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. This message has been brought to you today free of charge by the friends and ministry partners of Renaissance Christian Fellowship. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you please consider partnering with us to help send the gospel message to others around the world? For more information on how to donate to this ministry, please visit our Facebook page, www facebook.com forward slash rcf world or you may send us an email at contact us at rcfworld.org again that's contact us at rcfworld.org you may give by debit or credit card directly at paypal.me forward slash rcf world again that's paypal.me forward slash rcf world thank you for helping us to promote the gospel of jesus christ around the world Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.